Although we bring you riveting content on Eusebius on Times Live often, or so I hope, we don't usually have colourful production processes and editorial debates about the content prior to publication. On this occasion we did, because the episode you're about to hear is not just lit, but also occasions some really important political, legal, and even media ethics questions. And so what I wanted to do is to firstly give you a sense right here, right now, at the beginning of this listening experience of what you're about to hear, what precipitated deep questions to be asked before hitting the publication button, and then right at the end, I will also play a different role wearing my hat as political analyst and contributor to Times Live. So to set the scene, you probably by now, as a curious reader and listener of this podcast, are well aware that within a couple of days, this forthcoming Friday to be precise, the IFP is marching on the city press to express its disdain for what it sees as blatant untruths about its founding leader, Prince Mangusutu Butelezi, that has been written for years, allegedly, on the part of the City Press now editor, Mondli Makanya. Now, the details of that emerges in my interview with the IFP spokesperson, Mkuleko Shlengwa, so I'm not going to say much by way of setting it up in these preparatory remarks. But what was interesting, as you will hear in the details of that conversation, that as I hold the IFP spokesperson accountable epistemically to justify his remarks about the City Press editor, there comes a point where he essentially accuses Mondli Makanya of something heinous and criminal. And I then had to make the call in combination with my editor whether or not it is legally above board ethically above board to publish what it is that's being said about Mondley on the part of the IFP MP and spokesperson. Obviously, anyone worth their salt in journalism will not rush to try and enjoy the returns of clickbait because that's a low bar and that's not the game we are into. Nevertheless, it's not obvious that you don't want to publish when an MP makes certain remarks that might also tell you something about the MP, besides being an accusation about the subject of the accusation. And that's where the difficulty came in and where we had to do some long and hard soul searching. I'm going to say more at the end of your listening experience, but suffice to say that the reason I am nevertheless publishing in full, unedited, my engagement with the IFP spokesperson to try and tease out their reasoning for marching on an entire newspaper, including in the details of teasing that out, this incredible claim that he's making about the editor is because I do think journalistically it is justified for you to listen to the MP and to judge for yourself whether or not that is the kind of tray that you want in a member of parliament, i.e. 
making an unsubstantiated claim. The conundrum, of course, is that from a publishing point of view, you're then caught between a rock and a hard place. If you don't publish, you forego the opportunity of letting the public see the public representative for who and what they are and judge for themselves the quality of that public representative. On the other hand, if you do publish, you could be subject to reasonable criticism that you are offering a platform for a harmful statement to be hosted and to be inscribed into the public space without being verified. And that's a difficulty that I will reflect on right at the end. But at this point, I want you to trust me that it is not an easy decision that I have taken to nevertheless publish this entire interview between myself and Nkuleko, and that I've undergone a process of self-examination in terms of media law and media ethics to make sure that my conscience as a responsible podcaster and journalist is clear. You may not agree with how I arrived at the decision, but I want you to get a sense that I have wrestled with it. Enjoy this exchange between me and him in full as I had pre-recorded it. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Now, obviously, I've got many roles. I am moderating a discussion about this in this context. But I'm also an analyst. You might have seen my own article about this on timeslive.co.za. So let me just be very clear. I personally think that the IFB is on the wrong side of the matter. But I was looking forward, nevertheless, to play devil's advocate and have both the editor on, Mondli, and also the spokesperson for the IFB, Mkuleko Shlegwa. Now, you're not entitled as a podcaster to have someone available just when you want them to be on. And Mondly is not available, and that's perfectly acceptable. He is available at a time when I'm not available, and that's perfectly okay. What we also don't ordinarily do as broadcasters is to tell you all the little behind-the-scenes production processes, because some of it is just being churlish, childish, and unnecessary extra. In this case, I do want to share with you something that I think is worth sharing, Besides being unavailable, which is perfectly okay because he's a busy editor at this time, Mondley also did request from my producer to come on separately from Kuleko. And I think that's a pity because <laughs> if you have read my article and it's my subjective view, one of the, one of the points that I made is precisely 
that we should all be open to rigorous, open debate, deep disagreement. And you can have that by interviewing two interlocutors separately. But I would have thought that the best defense for the editor in favor of the speech rights that many of us have been hunting on about in his defense would not be himself run away from a direct engagement with the IFP. So, Montley, I accept that you could not reasonably be available in this slot. I do find it curious that you want to be interviewed alone. That said, let me welcome the spokesperson for the IFP, Mkuleko Shlengwa. Mkuleko, always great engaging you. And thanks for saying yes without conditions. An absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Mr. Makaiza, and good afternoon to you and everyone. I mean, let's cut to the chase. What's the objective of marching to City Press? Well, this has been the last resort. I think that has to be fundamentally placed at the forefront of the discussion. <clears throat> you would have recalled that on the 28th of August, Mr. Monli Makanya wrote a scurrilous article again, where amongst others, he calls Prince Mangosu Tupteli as a murderer. Um, he accuses him of having blood on his hands. He calls him a butcher. And he seemingly um, places a verdict of guilt without trial um, on Prince Mangosu This is not the first time that it has happened. But beyond that, it must also preface this discussion that Mr. Monli Makanya himself is a self-confessed participator uh, in the killings of IFP people during that very difficult time of the low-intensity black-on-black civil war, which claimed 20,000 lives. Um, he goes on to say he did not view IFP people as human beings. He enjoyed their killing. He enjoyed them being necklaced, and so on and so forth. So at the outset, Mr. Makanya is not somebody whom can be expected to have an objective view on this matter. And the fact that he is the editor of the City Press and continuously uses these kinds of platforms to advance the kind um, of defamatory, unsubstantiated and derogatory and scurrilous um, attacks on Prince Boutelier, we find to be an abuse um, of his platform. That's point number one. The second point is we fully respect the right of a independent and free media in South Africa as part of our democratic project entrenched in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That right is there. That freedom is there. But as is with all rights and all freedoms, they come with responsibility and accountability. And there are checks and balances built into those rights, including but not limited to a right of reply, which we have utilized. But I must hasten to say, whatever submission we have made to the city press as a right of reply has been edited by the city press, which of course, I suppose, maybe their right as well as the paper. But it does place us in a difficult position where the one who makes the attacks and the claims and the allegations becomes a player and a referee and adjudicator in his own matter in that they can then edit uh, 
the right of the reply that you forward um, to them. There's another option, which is to go to the press ombudsman. Have you done that? I'm, I'm trying, I'm saying to, uh, you would have noted, I started by saying that marching was the last resort, and I'm trying to detail the extent to which we have gone. We have gone to the press ombuds and we have not received um, any joy. We went to SANEF, met with the chairperson. And- hold on, hold on one second. I want to retra- I want to backtrack there. You went to the press ombuds. Did you lose the case? When you, when you say you didn't get any joy, are you suggesting they made an erroneous finding? We fought, we- to, not get joy, to not get joy is very ambiguous. What do you mean by you didn't get joy? You mean you lost your argument? Well, the, the finding of the press ombuds was that uh, Mr. Makanya is a commentator and therefore he is well within his rights to do so. And we fundamentally agree with that, with the reasons which have um, enumerated above. We have met with SANEF met with the chairman and the administrator of SANEF and presented our case to them. The response of SANEF was that um, Mr. Makanyo, the city press, are not part and parcel of the SANEF establishment and therefore they've got no jurisdiction to interact and engage or deal with the matter. And this is as far back as 2019. And so that is why we find it most unfortunate for SANEF to come out in the manner that they have. And also I must say that there were quite a number of, um, you know, incorrect facts in that statement that they issued. The final point is this. The matter is actually before court between Mr. Makanya and Prince Mangosu Tuptelis. And I note that the sign of statement says that it's not. And all we are saying is that let us allow the court processes to run their due course. But whilst they are running, Mr. Makanya continues to um, actually, you know, write in the manner uh, that he, he's writing. So as an introduction, I conclude by saying then that the membership of the IFP, who in itself is indicted uh, in the statements that Mr. Makanya is making and Prince Mangosu Tuktelis specifically, also have rights as citizens, as individuals, also have rights in this democratic dispensation. And the right to peaceful protest and the right to march is one of them. I think it is reckless and irresponsible for the Sunday Times to want to preempt the outcome of that march, especially that very stupid Hogarth um, column, which presupposes that it's going to be a, a, a violent march. And quite frankly, if a exercise of democratic rights as marching warrants one to be called a mampara, then so be it. But I think it's disingenuous uh, to want to preempt the march as being violent when we've not had the marches yet. We are South Africans, we are individuals who want to go and exercise our rights. We have exhausted avenues. We have engaged the people that should engage. And Okay, but can I come in here, Mkulegbo? I've given you ample time to outline and you've done so comprehensively. And I appreciate that because I know you're a reflective person. So you would have reflected on how this conversation will go beforehand. And I, and I, and I, I welcome that. I'm going to separate out different aspects of what you have articulated thus far. When you march, even if you do so peacefully, tactically, you've got an agenda. There's an outcome that you desire. What outcome do you want? We want checks and balances within the media space, particularly at City Press, where you've got an editor 
who reflects on an era of the black on black civil war where 20,000 people died. And he squaringly calls somebody who has not had a day in court and he pronounced a verdict against the backdrop of Mr. Makanya's own admission that he participated in the killing of IFP people in that era. And so we find that he is abusing his platform. Um, I get that. That's your, that's your judgment of what he does with his platform. I'm asking a different pointed question in terms of outcomes. What do you want? Do you want him to stop writing? We don't want him to stop writing. We want, we want, we want the city press to desist from writing things which are factually incorrect and to desist from passing a fundamental judgment on a serious indictment where there's been no due process. It is but then I don't I really I don't understand what the objective is. You, 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 you don't want him to stop writing, but you want to tell him what to write and no, what not to write. No, 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 but here's here's the point. If somebody comes to you and says you stole money they are indicting you to say that you are a thief without any due process. That is the fundamental democratic uh, uh, you know, reality of this country, that everybody is presumed innocent until proven guilty. It's a basic tenet of a functional justice system. This is no longer a political question that Mr. Makanya is raising. He is passing a judgment. He is arriving at a definitive conclusion about an individual who has not... Okay, so what? It's his viewpoint. Let's say it's based on falsehood. Why not leave that to me as the reader to judge? Why march on the officers? I mean, surely if... If the truth is so transparent and if the lack of evidence and the lack of logic on Mondley's part is so obvious, why not just leave that to the public to judge? Why expend all this energy, even if it is a peaceful march? Why bother expending that energy? Because we feel that we also need to be heard. We don't have a newspaper where we can write, but we've got a, a street which we can utilize. But you've had a right of reply. You can go to the ombud. You've got criminal cases. You're now on Times Live on this podcast. I mean, there are plenty of spaces where you can be heard. It's The, the following statement is false. The IFP is not being heard. We, we, Mr. McKaiser, the person who participated in the killing of IFP people continues to use his platform to indict somebody who has not been indicted. So you do want Mondley to stop writing for the City Press about Butelezi? We want him to write factually. What do you mean by that? You want to tell him what to write. So you don't want to be seen to be anti-democratic. You don't want to be seen to be trampling on speech rights. So you want to have your cake and eat it. You want to qualify your critique by saying, no, 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 we are Democrats. Don't misunderstand us. We can articulate the jurisprudence for media freedom. We just want to tell him what not to put in the column. Well, I oh, think come on. that would be a very myopic um, outlook on this matter because it presupposes um, that we are anti-democracy. In fact, this is a democratic right that we have. What you do have a democratic right. That's why I'm saying and, and, no one can take and, away your right to, and, and, to, to protest. And, and, right. So now that's, that's not an issue, though, Mukuleko. Can we just be clear? Is the, the right to why. protest is not an issue. No, that is the, the question issue. is, what is your objective? That is the issue. Because 
it is easy to call out the IFP by all sorts of quarters to say that we shouldn't march, but it is not easy for somebody to, why is it difficult for colleagues of Mr. Makanya to call him out on how he's using his right? Let me go on to this, because I think this is crucial. I challenge Sanif, the editors, to release to the public their discussion in their WhatsApp group about the statement that was issued by Sanif to call out so that the public can enjoy the transparency which is being demanded of everyone, so that the disagreements that so fundamentally exist, even in Sanef about this matter, can, can, can be scrutinized by the public. All we are saying is that we issued rejoinder after rejoinder, right of reply after right of reply to the city press. And the man who writes about us enjoys the right, for lack of a better term, to sit in his office and edit our right of reply in public. Yes, because that is what happens in a democracy. Right. Here's my and, difficulty and with your position. Here's my difficulty. It also happens okay. in the democracy that people march. It's, it's Next, but, of, but you are, it's part you are deliberately, you're deliberately not listening actively to the area that is not in contestation between you and me. It might be for other people. The right to march fundamental. The assumption that it will be violent just because you are IFP, that is to be tested and in the worst case scenario is racist. My question is different. What do you want? If the objective practically of the march is that Mondley must self-censor until a legal case has played out, I think that's absolute BS on your part. You're not entitled to that, neither politically nor constitutionally. You and I both know, in fact, in your different role as COPA chair, you know how disingenuous it is when questions of discourse accountability are deferred to the legal processes. You can simultaneously take the guy on for defamation and he can continue to enjoy his speech rights to say what he wants and you can debunk that by holding him up as someone who's a liar on a million and one platforms. Including the, the march. Why is the march being taken out of the equation? The march is not taken out of the equation as such, but you do have a duty to explain to us what the march wants. For example, when we march on the union buildings, let's say, it will usually culminate in a memorandum that we hand over to some authority figure with demands that we have. What will be your demands when you get there? You get there peacefully. What happens on location on Friday? Then you, you will, let's not preempt the memorandum. What's the point of marching? We will hand Why it. Why not? That's the whole point of speaking to you. We're we now will, in open conversation. What, do you, what have you got to hide? What are your demands going to be on Friday? We will hand it over on Friday. The IFP president will address the march. We'll hand over a memorandum to um, City Press. We will hand over a file um, to City Press. And, and if um, SANEF is uh, equal to the task because we've met with them, we'll hand over a memorandum to them as well and make a statement. All we are saying is that at the end of the day, we must not run the risk of wanting to outweigh one right over the other. What we want to be judged on is how we carry out the rights that we enjoy. And what has been disingenuous is to sort of want to create a public panic 
that there's going to be a violent march. There's not going to be a violent march. There's no need for one. We are going there as South Africans. We are going there um, in defense of our leader to say, if you've got a case against him, because the case in court is about the writings. If Mr. Makanya is so fundamentally committed to the view that he holds, we also challenge him to go and lay a criminal charge against Prince Mangustu Tuptelezi on the allegations which he has pronounced a verdict on. And then he can go and pronounce himself in a, in a, in a, in a court of law because the, the court of public opinion is exactly that. It's a court of public opinion. The courts will adjudicate any matter on the basis of facts. And what we are doing is adding to that discussion and that discourse and demonstrating that we as a party, we as South Africans, do not agree with what has been said, having exhausted quite a number of uh, um, avenues. Let me conclude on this thing by, by saying this. Sanef goes out and, and issues a, a, a statement. I, I, I get that it's their right to do so. I would have imagined maybe, you know, Sanef writing to us first and saying, we've noted that you want to march. Can we meet as a follow up to the meeting that we had? We've never had a report back from Sanef. We've never had a discussion posted, but it was us who approached them to say, guys, we need to have a discussion. The, 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 the fundamental issue is that being a public figure does not presuppose that you um, relinquish some of your rights. Of course, you are held to a higher standard as it should, but that standard should be anchored in facts. And it is wrong. It is wrong, Eusebius. It is wrong. It is wrong to indict somebody as a murderer when there's been no due process. We all know that. No, we don't actually, because the jurisprudence on what counts as fair comment is actually very complicated. And if we have to delve into the case involving McBride versus the citizen, which he actually lost, and you know he was called a murderer by the citizen, or indeed the slander of the DA in the electoral campaigning in the SMS case, that Judge Justice Edwin Cameron in the first of the two cases that I've mentioned were very clear that, um, in fact, the space for constitutionally protected speech is actually incredibly, incredibly wide. But I want to set that aside and just ask a couple of factual questions. When you say you're going to hand over a dossier, what's in it? It's a dossier of the road we have traversed on this matter over the years. Because as I'm saying, this is not an overnight thing. It's not, And this is why the march has been the last resort. Um, as, as a reminder to where we are and how we got here as to saying that there's a court process uh, currently underway. And yet, you know, Ms. McKenna continues on a trajectory, uh, which is perfectly fine. I suppose that's his right. But you've hammered that point a couple of times. I mean, you, you, you kind of like, you use weasel words because you say something and then you rein yourself in tactically. Can we agree on the following before I move on to the second last issue I want to explore? The fact that the legal process is going on has got nothing to do with the speech debate that you and I are having. Legal processes are sui generis processes. They run their own course for good reason in society because they regulate our lives in important ways. But the fact that the legal process is underway has got nothing to do with the question of whether a columnist in the meantime can write on the subject that is before but court. But it does because when he ran off to 
Why? How? Because when you ran off to Sanef, he said, I can continue writing because there's no case, which is factually wrong. He he misled Sanef and said, I can continue writing because there's no case when he knows that there's a case. He says that the case is not continuing. That's what he said. So, okay, so, that just means that he's, that he is a bad debater for his own position. But you and I are debating. It's, got, it, 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 it's, fun, it's fundamentally uh, important here because it speaks to the convictions that he has on this matter. He would not have sought the protection of Sanif if... Okay, let me, let me make two so things clear. Uh, let me make two things clear. Here. No, it's not. Well, and I'll tell that, you why. That's Firstly, your view, the view we... Well, it is yeah, my view, but yeah. if you if you were to breathe, I'll and, tell you the basis of my ours view. Is, and, the, and ours is that it's material in this case. We okay, but you can't know why I have that view unless you actually listen. Well, Can I tell you yeah, why? But I don't think humbly... I don't think that um, it's fair to use that kind of tone as if I have now sought to have a runaway discussion. I was trying to make a point, and I am listening to you, and I am responding to your questions. I've endeavored to be very respectful in this um, interaction. And Okay, let's, let's get over policing each other's tone. We know yeah, each other long enough. The point I wanted to make is, okay, Mukoleko, are we going to really slide into a meta discussion about tone, or can we get back to substance? Because it, 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 it makes the discussion um, favorable for you, but wants to listen to it. No, it doesn't make it favorable for me, because I'm no, no, interested... I'll sit here and listen and you lecture. Okay. I'm not lecturing. I gave you... I, firstly... You can be as spicy as you want. Your opening statement was a soliloquy, and I gave you ample time. I'm trying to keep you on course, which is my duty as a broadcaster. The point that I'm trying to make is what Sainev does is not critical to the principal discussion between you and me. For that matter, I'm one of Sainev's biggest critics in the media as a media practitioner myself. I don't know what they do. I don't even know how you become a member. So Sainev is not important to me in unpicking the principal issues. Secondly, Mondly making a poor argument about being entitled to write a column because the case is not before court just means that he's a bad advocate for his own position. I'm asking a question independent of what you think of Sainev and independent of what Mondly has said to Sainev. And the question that I have for you is, do you accept that even if a legal process is underway, a writer can constitutionally opine on the matter? But he's not opining on the matter which is before court. He's continuing the matter that's being challenged in court, and therefore he's being belligerent and he's being difficult, and he's quite clearly, um, you know, committed to his cause of action, despite our very um, disciplined outlook to pursue this matter um, in, in court. And so we are exhausting all the rights that are available to us. Second last question. There's something in the statement, Nkuleko, that caught my attention, and you've almost doubled down on it at the beginning, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I mean, the statement says, referencing Dr. Anthea Jeffries' book, The People's War, that Mondley has, quote, participated in the black-on-black -black violence of the past, taking pleasure participating and seeing IFP members maimed. And you've used similar language, in fact, stronger language in this conversation. Just for the official record, has Mondley Makanya killed IFP members? To the best of our knowledge and to the best of his admission, Mr. Mondi Makanya participated in the killing of IFP people. What knowledge? 
The extract that you are reading from Dr. Anthea Jeffrey's book. No, it's not an extract. It's just a reference to her title of her book that you mentioned. What evidence do you have that Mondley killed IFP members? Let me put it this way then. What you are referring to insofar as Dr. Anthea Jeffrey's book is concerned would be an extract of other statements which on this matter Mr. Makanya is has made and they are part and parcel of the dossier and the court papers which will be presented. No, but I'm, I'm not clear. Are Mr. Makanya you... participated in the killing of IFP people. And what is the evidence for that statement? His own, his own admission. Where? In the documents which I'm referring to, Dr. Anthea Jeffrey is quoting an extract of that documentation. We will present that in court and in the, uh, uh, the dossier on Friday. What is the source of that document? What is the document itself? Well, I'll have it forwarded to you and you can have a look at it. Sorry? I don't have it on reference now, but I will hand it over to you if you need it. I'd, I'd love if you could handle that over, hand it over to either myself directly or to my producer, Paige Miller. But that and document that you I have... have it, I don't have it on hand um, with me now, but as soon as I get it in the building, I'll make sure that you get it. That, that's perfectly fair. But in essence, it covers the, the, traverses the space which I referred to. Now, that's perfectly fair. The document will obviously get from you. I just want to clarify what the document does. That document, to your very forensic mind, which we respect in your role in SCOPA, you take evidence seriously. The document you have in mind unambiguously proves that Mondley killed IFP members. It proves that he participated in the killing of IFP people. What's the difference between participating in the killing and I'm being a killer? Is he I'm, a killer? I'm not getting into the semantics. I am not... Well, it's interesting because you're obviously you liking I'll, some... I'll tell you why. Which wording do you prefer? I'll tell you why. Because I'm not about to do what he has done. A court of law must make a determination on the basis of information and make a verdict. I will not, as, as much as the urge might be there, as angry as we might be, as difficult as this topic might be, I will not do what he's doing. In a, as wrong as we feel he is, we still believe he must be afforded the rights which we believe everybody must be afforded. If he must have his day in court, if that's the case. And that is why the matter is before court. So as if I sit here, I sit here and do what he's doing, I'm guilty of what he has done. No, here's the difference. And I won't ask my last question because we've taken up time on this issue, but it is an important issue. Here's the difference. Truth, objective truth, that is, does not vary according to the forum. If your truth is objectively verifiable, sharing it in a discussion with a broadcaster, sharing it privately, sharing it around the bri, or sharing it in a court of law will not change the truth being what it is. If you have a conviction about the document being as powerful as you said it was three minutes ago, then why are you suddenly being coy? I'm not being coy. It is, the mo it is precisely the issue we have raised. We prefer that this matter on trying any individual be heard in a court of law. 
It's our preference. We're allowed to have that preference. So what does that mean by way of process? <laughs> have you laid charges? Have you... There's a defamation case about what he says about your founding leader, but in turn, as a Democrat committed to the rule of law, you say that he has participated in the killing of IFP members. How have you reconciled your commitment to the rule of law with that knowledge? Have you laid charges? Have you shared this information with the criminal law enforcement system? Well, what we are doing is that we are taking these matters uh, in a particular sequence, and the issues in this case will be ventilated in that case. We've got particular uh, preference, and in terms of the advice, legal guidance and advice we've received from the legal practitioners in terms of how best to pursue um, this matter. And so we would prefer that at this point in time, uh, we deal with the matters as our legal um, practitioners have, have advised us. In due course, of course, we, we do understand we are publicly accountable as a political party. Any further course of actions that we'll be taking on this matter and whatever court judgments come out, we'll consider the next steps and we will communicate we will we'll communicate them. We've got really nothing to hide on this matter, but at this point in time, the legal advice is that we take up the matters in the manner that we have. And so that's what I but is Mon but Monley participated in killing and the document you'll share with well, us. Well that will also be ventilated in the court processes and I will endeavor that you get that document. But you're not retract you're not you're not going back on the statement from five minutes ago. No, I'm not. Okay. Mukuleka, we we'll leave it there. I do want to thank you for coming on. You and I have a good professional relationship. It's a pity Monley's not here. Like I said, I don't care for Senef. I don't care for what lies he might have told Senef. I am disappointed that he couldn't be in this forum because my theoretical defense of him is debate matters. And now we didn't have that opportunity. But I want to thank you for coming on and answering all these tough questions. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And to once again reiterate, we did not just arrive at this course of action because we understand the gravity of the action and the consequences that it carries. And we are committed to exercising this right with the heightened level of discipline it requires. At the same time, it stimulates a public debate, which has been you know, lost in this case every time Mr. Makanya writes as he does. Was I doubt, had we not said we'd having a march, we now would be having this conversation as well. So it becomes fundamentally important to trigger the rights available to us so that the cause of public discussion is not robbed or monopolized by those who've got a platform that others might not have. Wow. Okay, that was a lot. You can decide for yourself what you make of that exchange. I now want to wear my hat as a contributor and analyst of Times Live and say a little bit about some of the meta as well as the direct issues that flow from that discussion. First and foremost, I had a telephone conversation with Mondli Makanya briefly, and I had said to him, as a matter of process plus decency, quite apart from balanced journalism, here is the two minutes in particular that is the most ferocious attack on you in terms of the claim about your alleged criminality on the part of the IFB interviewee that I had spoken to on my podcast platform. Please listen to it. Do you want to be afforded the opportunity to go on the record and chat to me about the broader issues in the discourse between you and the IFB, but specifically 
giving an on-the-record view of what this person is claiming about you. So I did reach out to Mondly. I've got the correspondence, but also Mondly is an honorable journalist. He will, of his own accord, acknowledge that we had the telephone conversation, no doubt. And the essence of it is that not only was he chuckling at the remarks made about him on the part of the IFP MP, but he also said to me that I can, he didn't want to come on and voice his own remarks because in his view, that would simply oxygenate the IFP's attempt to deflect from the discussion of Butelezi and put himself as Mondly up for debate. But he did say that I can incorporate into my journalism around this his on-the-record view that what was said about him is, and I quote, balderdash. So he's completely dismissive of what the IFP had said. And he was also very okay with me going ahead after I had been open with him about how I'm wrestling as a fellow media practitioner with the ethics of publishing a claim that had been insufficiently justified on the part of my interviewee. And so a couple of points I'm trying to make is, yes, I reached out to Mondly. Yes, Mondly responded officially by saying it's Balderdash. And yes, Mondly is perfectly okay with me sharing the entire interview with you without any threat of him coming after us from a publication point of view. But now secondly, it raises the question, put Mondly aside, is it indecent of a credible news platform to publish such a view that is patently not adequately justified on the part of the MP? I think yes, and I want to tell you why. And here, journalists will reasonably disagree with each other, academics will reasonably disagree with each other, and you and me might reasonably disagree. Some of you will be on my side, some of you won't, but I think there are actually coherent views that are equally defensible on this matter. What is my own take? My own take is that actually Mondly doesn't come out bad in that exchange between me and Nkuleko. The person that comes off worse for wear is the IFP MP, and I'll tell you why. He's got a public reputation, in my opinion, having observed his career since day one, as being a very evidence-informed, critically-minded MP. Quite frankly, and I've said it to him privately and publicly, that he is a good personal brand for the IFP to be associated with. He's young, he's energetic, he's excellent at his job as the SCOPA chair. He is an exemplar of what it means to be a good MP that provides oversight, not just over cabinet, but also key institutions, most recently state-owned entities such as ESCOM, for example. Now, if we all think of him uncritically as a good MP, then I think you need to be exposed to an example of when one of your proverbial faves are having either a bad day of, at the office or under the heat of an accountability interview are revealing a part of themselves that you did not know that they have. I don't think that this recording should go viral because there is a colourful, scandalous claim being made about Mondi Makanya. Some of you might focus on that. But I actually think the bigger discussion-worthy aspect of that exchange is that a really important senior member of the IFP is making a heinous claim about a senior member of the media without deducing any evidence. 
as I'm speaking to you right now, it's 20 hours later and he still has not produced the document. Neither myself nor my producer, despite multiple attempts to reach out to the IFP spokesperson, have been furnished with this alleged proof that Mondley is a criminal. So Mondley's reputation is not in tatters. But I think that you, in terms of your own political rights, are entitled to data and information more than data, meaningful data that is, about members that are elected into key institutions of our democracy like Parliament. So I felt very strongly about sharing this with you precisely because I think that that last 10 minutes of that discussion tells you quite a bit about a public representative. It tells you nothing about Mondley in the absence of robust data. So if I was Mondley, I would sleep easily. I think only a lazy listener would think that this is scandalous for the City Press editor. And I don't think you are lazy. I trust you to think reasonably and critically rather than to suddenly lampoon Mondley as being a murderer. In the absence of robust evidence, this content is important because it tells us something about the kind of tactics that politicians resort to to try and reduce the credibility of a journalist with whose viewpoints they want to not wrestle directly but to deflect from it. And I think for me, that's why, why it all matters. And then lastly, in terms of, I guess, the gray areas in media, law and ethics, the question becomes, do I have a duty to behave like a prosecutor and beyond reasonable doubt test the veracity of the claims? You know, yeah, I had a long and hard think and I was guided productively by my very good editor, Makuru, because we do think that it's not good enough to simply be stenographers, as my late friend Karima always said, and I share that view. So the epistemic duty of a broadcaster is not simply to say, hey, here's a platform, come and spray paint your viewpoint. You do have a duty to make sure that you publish information that is not harmful and if it is not constitutionally protected information in particular, such as hate speech, then I think you are both behaving unlawfully and unethically by hosting it on your platform. But the other extreme is that you are also not a court of law. So on the one hand, you can't be lazy and simply say, make up your mind, dear reader, dear listener. I'm simply giving a mic to everyone who wants a mic. That is to lower standard. But it's also not my job to pretend that I am the National Prosecuting Authority. How do you draw that balance? With great difficulty. How did I make the judgment call in this instance? I think that on balance, not letting you hear how a senior member of the IFP is unable to substantiate such an incredible claim about another human being, quite apart from that person being an entire editor and journalist. That for me is in our journalistic interest to distribute. And that's how I arrived at the conclusion that it's Mondley who actually doesn't come out worse for wear. And although Mondley chose, despite me granting him the opportunity, to not have his own viewpoint voiced 
as part of this broadcast. But I think nevertheless, the bulk of the public discussion should be, what do you make of an IFP MP who is clearly unable to substantiate such a claim? Is Mkuleko still your fave? You decide.